Markets Conversation is a new IAM podcast where we discuss topics of importance to capital markets participants with product owners, subject matter experts, and industry leaders. This episode is brought to you by ION. At ION, our clear derivatives solutions automate your complete trade lifecycle and deliver actionable insights whenever and wherever you need them. To learn more, visit us at iongroup.com markets or email us markets at iongroup.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Markets Conversation. I'm Ali Curry. In this episode, we're following up on the CFTC roundtable that focused on the proposal by cryptocurrency exchange platform FTX to bypass FCMs with a direct clearing model. It was a lively discussion with a cross-section of industries, firms, and agencies represented, and a chance to learn more about the implications of FTX's proposal. To help us sort all this out and look at the pros and cons of this new proposed arrangement, we are once again joined by Russell Levins, Head of Client Engagement for Derivatives at ION, and John Needham, Product Manager for ION Markets. Gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. John Needham, Russell Evans. Good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Great to be here. Last time we spoke, we talked about the emergence of cryptocurrencies as an asset class and the exchange platform FTX, which, as you know, trades cryptocurrency derivatives. And we also discussed FTX's proposal to expand their model to clear margin products and to offer non-intermediated trading. We're going to go over some of the things that were discussed at the on the CFTC roundtable that was hosted on May 25th. And some of the uh, panelists had some uh, things to talk about, their, the, the implications of this proposal. And also the founder and the CEO of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, was uh, present to answer any questions. It's been in the news a lot, the FTX proposal. John, can you expand a little bit more about the proposal itself? So, you know, what is it? Who's affected? And why is it poised to become such a game changer? Yeah, yeah, this is a good question. Let's uh, take a minute to just set the stage, right? Today, if somebody wants to trade futures or derivatives contracts or derivatives products, the model that exists today is that they will open an account with a broker. The broker is a future commission merchant or FCM, but the broker will provide services both to the customer, to the end customer, and to the industry and to the industry at large. So brokers are members of exchanges, which means that they will verify, vet, and, and credit, establish the creditworthiness of a customer and then will grant that customer access to the market so the, so the customer can trade commodities. This is true whether the, the customer is a, a speculator in the futures industry or futures markets or is a, a commercial end user, a hedger, or a you know a producer, a producer of product, a producer of you know grains, or far- farmers of grains, or cattle ranchers and feedlot operators and things like that. So, the broker provides access to the market so that these traders, these market participants, can can trade uh, futures. And one of the services that the broker provides a number of services. Obviously, they provide you know verify the credit worthiness. They sometimes provide funding and and, uh, and credit. They will provide website access to the markets, but they also provide to the to the exchange. They will provide a guarantee that the customer will settle the trades that that they execute. The FTX proposal that is currently before the regulators kind of takes out that broker level intermediation, and the so that 
trading community will simply log on to the FTX website or log on to an app on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll open up an account and you will post collateral to the exchange. The exchange will then give you an opportunity to trade cryptocurrencies or other listed derivatives products on their on their market, and they will uh, margin those products and they will serve many of the functions of the broker. But what they won't do is extend credit. When a position moves against a customer, instead of extending credit and guaranteeing the trade, they will simply start to liquidate the positions. And that's one of the big, uh, big ch- differences between the intermediated model that exists today and the FTX proposal that exists in the future. And Russ, would you, I mean, agree that I think I've kind of put, you know, set that table for people? Am I missing anything? Yeah, that's correct. Probably just to say on the, you know, the item where you know, positions are closed out, that it's done on an automated basis. So it's, you know, fully via technology. There's no human intervention, um, you know, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it's kind of how you approach it. Russ, that's a good point. Uh, the the human aspect of it, right? Because there's going to be pros and cons to any time you take out the, the human aspect, like a self-driving car. Is it good? Is it bad? Depends who you're asking. Now, many roundtable participants in the discussion were in favor of innovation and how it could benefit the industry. But like everything, there were concerns, particularly around customer protections, which is a big concern. Uh, One topic was auto liquidation feature, which would automatically close out customer positions if they have not posted enough collateral to cover their loss. One of the panelists even said that this could be a weapon of mass destruction. So John and Russ, can you break down this feature and, and share with the audience, why, why would this panelist be so concerned? John, let's start with you. Well, I think that calling it a, um, and it, it, he used the term uh, a mass destruction event. And I tend to think that's a little hyperbolic and, and probably overstated, but the concern I think grows from this fact that there, there's a possibility, some, me- some measurable amount of likelihood that a large position that falls into an undermargin condition and this algorithm starts auto-liquidating the position at 10% at a time could potentially move the market further in the against the undermargined account. And that also could bring in other accounts to undermargin conditions simply because of the movement of the market that is a result of the algorithmic kicking in and starting to liquidate positions. That was a that was a, an expressed concern from a number of, of people on the uh, on the CFTC's roundtable. I think calling it a mass destruction event is probably overstating it, but I think that is it is a it's, it's a legitimate concern. It is a legitimate concern. Yeah, absolutely, it is because this automated thing could just trigger a you know a spiral basically downward in the market or opposingly you know upwards as well. I mean, just similar to you know, how perhaps. It was a violent move in nickel prices you know, not that long ago. Uh, that wasn't on an automated basis, but it's still the same thing that this could trigger a market event, which in turn has you know wide impact on you know, on users you know, and, and losses. So you know, that's something that needs to be considered and appropriately controlled. Which is the whole reason, right, for keeping the FCMs in play, right? The the CFTC had rules and guidelines that are applied to F, to uh, FCMs intentionally. They're they're strict because of the important role that they play in, in customer and asset protection. And I know we talked about it a little bit last time, but you know, let's go over you know, some, of the, some of the arguments really for keeping the intermediary, the FCM in the process, unlike what FTX proposes. John, let's start with you. Well, the, the, one of the things that came up in a whole section of that CFTC, the, the regulators uh, roundtable event, was 
and it's a simple statement of fact that that uh, brokers like we're talking about the FCM community, they are among the most highly regulated uh, financial services entities that exist in the United States. They're regulated every bit as stringently and as uh, enthusiastically by the regulators as our broker dealers in the stock market, you know, FDIC insured banks. They are highly regulated entities and the the uh, the regulations that exist, and Russ, you know as much about this as I do, or as anybody does, but the, the regulations that exist for an FCM, for a broker, are uh, designed specifically to protect the customer assets and to protect the market, the integrity of the markets. And those rules that exist for a broker do not apply to a designated contract market like an FTX, an exchange or clearinghouse or CCP like FTX is. And Russ, I think I'd be interested in hearing if you agree that the regulations are much more uh, emphatic for the FCMs than they are on are on an exchange or a, or a clearinghouse. Yeah, that's correct. Ultimately, uh, the FCMs in this in the traditional model are ultimately the guardians of the custodian you know, of, of client assets. And the regulators, you know, number one objective is to protect the customers as far as possible uh, and to ensure that their assets are safe and secure and that the brokers are held to high standards so that they don't basically put customers risk at risk um, and that they adopt and follow a very fine, a very strong, stringent set of regulations. Um, yeah, this is where things will change a little bit, just with the FTX model again being direct. There will, no question, be high standards applied. Um, by you know, the commission will demand that of of FTX. So that, that so that doesn't particularly change that item. It's more just the fact that there is uh, you know one less party in the chain, and the, the biggest discussions really is around ultimately the risk back, backstop and what happens in the event of a default. What would happen if FTX were to go bankrupt, and ultimately who would step in? You know, to basically take over, you know, the assets, take over the client positions, and you know, who would bear those losses? Again, under the you know the conventional model that exists today, the clearinghouse you know has clearing members who guarantee the trades. If those clearing members themselves fail, the other the clearing the other clearing members ultimately you know are subject to a, a guarantee fund, and you know that covers the de- the losses of the defaulter. So you know, that this is where this comes in. Whereas under this new model, the only party that is backstopping this uh, financially is FTX themselves, um, yeah, which is different. Whereas the traditional model, there is you know, the, the CCP and all the clearing members, and you know, many of the clearing members are very large, very well capitalized banks. Um, so this is you know, sort of where the change is. Which brings us to another interesting function that was brought up was backup liquidity providers, and that is a concept that FTX proposes. So basically, in the in the event of a default, the firms, the backup liquidity providers, they would act as buyers of last resort. We should unpack this a little bit because exactly what is the situation in which uh, an FCM would mitigate the customer risk? The FTX proposal on this on this was was put out there with these back, backstop liquidity providers. You know, these are going to be the parties that ultimately will step into the market to take on you know, the inventory that is liquidated. The concept sounds great. The The concern you know, of the industry on this was was that the backstop liquidity providers are not identified. Nobody at this point knows who they are. They're undisclosed to date. Uh, they would probably be disclosed later. And these parties could be of different 
you know, financial credit standings. So I'm sure there would be of, of good credit standing, but nobody knows for sure. And these parties themselves are not, are not necessarily, um, you know, regulatory approved you know, parties. Um, they may not have to be regulatory approved in their current status, um, but nobody knows who they are. So in the, again, in the, in the, the model as it stands right now, the, you know, the, the participants in the in the defaults are regulated entities and their capital uh, is you know, wide is, is reported every month and is known so so as a result their sort of their credit status is known too but under the BLP model again that that's not at this point in time transparent so it could come later but let's see that, that's an excellent point that Russ just made the current broker model that exists today, all of the entities that would be responsible for helping to a, a clearinghouse cover a massive default or loss are themselves fellow regulated entities. And the, the, the backstop liquidity provider program at FTX is, is populated by entities that we don't know who they are or whether or not they're regulated like the FCM community is that would step in to a, to help cover a default. That's an important, vitally important part. Now, FTX did try to defend that program a little bit in two ways. One, by saying, in a general sense, the, the BLP program, the backstock liquidity providers, are not necessarily fundamental to their auto liquidation algorithmic and risk management programs that they are there to serve as literally a backstop, but that generally speaking in a liquid market with good volume and open interest, liquidating a portfolio in the open market is a, a perfectly viable option. Now, the, the others were making the argument that that could move the market and that could lead to other accounts being pushed into auto liquidation scenarios. The other big thing about it that, that that FTX was talking about it is that he agrees that he he, has, he didn't name that none of the BLP participants were named and he wouldn't name them and he said he wouldn't name them at that time and if you know if it comes to pass we may have that discussion in the future but he did think it was a good idea for them to be able to provide for FTX to be able to provide the amount of collateral that is available in the BLP program and then that was something that I think introduces a little bit, not enough, but a little bit of transparency to the market participants and to the regulators. So that was one of the options that's out there. Um, it was an interesting proposal, I thought, Russ. I don't know if you picked up on that. It was just, but the, 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 them being not regulated entities is an important, important point that, that removes one level of, uh, of market protection for both the customer assets and for the market integrity. Yeah, that's correct. And I think what was also not talked about was what if one of the BLPs was a party that ultimately needed to be liquidated themselves? I mean, you know, caused the market event through something that they did. Um, I didn't see much discussion on that. I'm sure perhaps there was and it didn't hit the, yeah, the tape that I saw. But, um, yeah, that's an item for consideration as well. Uh, who are these people, you know, and to what extent would they, they disclose their financial resources? Um, again, I'm sure many of them absolutely would be willing to do that. Uh, but again, it's just an open question at this point. It was a good start for the uh, CFTC to host this roundtable. Um, as discussed before, they weren't drafting just uh, any policies just yet, but just generally how it stands right now. What are your thoughts? Is it too early to tell? Is it something that could really, you know, with, with, with some accommodations, really be able to to move the needle or... 
uh, our traditional models here for a while, or maybe just becomes a hybrid. What are what are your what are your thoughts overall, John? Let's start with you. There was a lot of uh, interesting. Thought. I was very enthusiastic about this program when I first heard about it, having watched this day long session at the that the regulators hosted. Um, I came away from it thinking, yeah, there are there are some definite challenges here. Most of the people on the panel, including some of the FCM representatives and CCP representatives, the clearinghouses that were on the panel, and the other brokers that would potentially be disintermediated in a model like this, said, you know, coming out of this session that they had an open mind about the proposal. They have an open mind. And I think that's where the regulators are. I think that's where the industry is. There are challenges. There are definite benefits to the current model. There are challenges to the current model too, by virtue of the fact that you can, by as evidenced by the fact that there are, you know, 25 years ago, there was 140 brokers who were clearing customer businesses. Now there's less than 50. So the challenges that face the, the broker community should not be discounted either. We may wind up at some point in the future going to a disintermediate model because there's so few brokers left. Who knows? But this is a good model for to for everyone to keep an open mind about and to continue to look at. I think it's a it's a good thing for the industry to be having these discussions. And that was the general consensus of the panelists on the on the regulators panel. Yeah, but if the number of participants basically reduces, you know, or you know, parties that ultimately that hold the client accounts you know, reduces, then you just get bigger concentration risks. So. You know, again, fifty FC, FCMs as it stands right now under the under the this standing model with the FTX proposal, it goes from fifty parties to one. So again, there's you know again that element of concentration, and that's clearly a concern for everybody. You know, something that people need to be you know, get comfortable with. So, Russ, given uh, a lot of the things that we've heard, you know, some excitement, uh, there was some detractors, but in in your opinion, what comes next? What what do you think is is, is the next steps here? From here, the commission will, you know, has gathered their, you know, gathered the information that they heard, and they they heard all the arguments at the roundtable. They'll take those away. They'll have the commission will have you know, closed door sessions internally, and they'll you know, come up with you know, the next approach, which will I expect lead to you know more questions that they'll ask of FTX to clarify areas of the model and those items that were raised as concerns, you know, by the participants on the roundtable. So. Is, is, you know, there will not be, a, I don't expect there'll be a quick conclusion on this. I think there'll be further questions. And you know, uh, you know, my, my thought is that perhaps the commission will form form an approval of some kind, but maybe a limited one with conditions. Um, you know, conditions over you know, the size of the transactions, perhaps conditions over the over the products that are traded, you know, specifically, though that is already part of a, uh, you know, a condition that you know, is on exchanges. Um, but I think you know they will demand you know certain requirements of FTX um, you know, in order to, you know, to to grant them a license to do this. So I think yeah they will you know, a- approach it on a you know, gently gently you know, basis. I think Russ hit it right on hit the nail right on the head. Uh, the next steps will be from the commission. Um, I do expect that they will ha- have some kind of a approval of a pilot program or certain certain specific products that are eligible but you know that remain to be seen they may come back with more questions there are there are rules and regulations as we talked about earlier that apply to fcms that are not in existence for a uh, for a, a an exchange or a clearinghouse and this commission might have to 
pass do rulemaking to make those apply for the customer protections and things like that. Know your customers and make sure that nobody's laundering money through the exchange and things like that. All the stuff that the FCMs, the brokers do today, uh, those kind of rules might need to be addressed at a market that is going direct to customer and, and has direct clearing models. So they may there may be rulemaking involved. I think if there is, then it's going to be a, a longer time frame than what we're looking at today. Very well. So uh, we will stay tuned and hopefully revisit and, and break it down some more as things develop. John Needham, Russell Evans, thank you once again for visiting us on the podcast and we shall do it again soon. This episode is brought to you by ION. At ION, our clear derivative solutions automate your complete trade lifecycle and deliver actionable insights whenever and wherever you need them. We offer execution and order management, post-trade processing, and a complete front-to-back business solution. To learn more, visit us at iongroup.com markets or email us markets at iongroup.com. And that's our episode for today. You can follow Ion Markets on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.